This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. It is a big win when a company steps up and helps out in a big way during some pretty difficult and unorthodox, unprecedented times. And that's what we want to talk about right now. Please welcome to London Live, Executive Vice President of Operations at Winmar, Glenn Wolfrey. Glenn, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Mike. It's great to be with you as well. Let's talk a little bit about what's been happening behind the scenes pretty quietly there's been a lot of work put into something and now now that work is going to start to manifest itself all across the country tell us a little bit about what you have been up to at winmar yeah mike it's been uh, a great time this year has been difficult as you've indicated and winmar has been planning a campaign to support the salvation army and we are with over 2,500 staff that we have on, on in our company with 96 locations, coast to coast to coast, we are going to be delivering checks to our local Salvation Armies in those local communities for a total of over $10,000. And I just got word today that our friends here at Winmar London are going to be delivering a check for another $1,000 to you guys. Hey! That is outstanding. Thank you for that, because we've been looking around and thinking, okay, so many different things that go on at this time of year that can help out, especially things that the Salvation Army is a part of. They're a little bit different. This is amazing. So take us back to where this all began. So we've we've been supporting the Salvation Army for over 10 years, and one of the charities that we really believe in, about giving back to people, when we have a family of Winmar locations, entrepreneurs living and working in those communities, and they see each and every day the Salvation Army of what they do in their local communities, and part of it is we wanted to be there supporting them and our community and being seen in the community as a, a stewardship of corporate responsibility. Outstanding. We're talking with Glenn Wolfrey, Executive Vice President of Operations at Winmar. So, Happening in London, but also happening across the country. Coast to coast to coast. We had uh, checks being delivered today in Fraser Valley, in Kelowna, in PEI, in um, Toronto, in London, as I just indicated. Uh, Chris Cragen, the general manager here at Winmar London, is going down to visit his local Salvation Army and drop off a check for $1,000. And by the time we're finished... This campaign, which is just before Christmas, we're expecting that will be well over the 15,000 of delivery to all our local franchise, uh, local uh, Salvation Armies across the country. It's one thing, Glenn, to have an idea like this, but when you're talking about a company that has locations in so many different places, it's another thing for this to be executed. What's it like for you to see this happen? Oh, I'm so excited. The, the We've been holding our guys back because we wanted to do it as a full campaign so that the Salvation Army can use this funds for Christmas time. This is a time that families require food, they require clothing, they require opportunities. And this year especially is one that we believed was important to do as a big session across the whole country. And having our entrepreneurial spirit, family 
of Winmar locations across the country that want to contribute and want to be a part of their community. This was so important to us, and the buildup has taken a long time. So we're going to be doing a lot of stuff on social media. We're going to be posting on Facebook. We're going to be posting in LinkedIn, and we're going to let the community know we challenge the rest of the community and businesses in those communities to do the same and support the gifts of giving and hope for the Salvation Army. Well, we'll look for the hashtag on each of those platforms, Gifts of Hope, and there's that challenge. It's been laid out. If you're in a position to help out, now is one of those unprecedented years. This is a big opportunity for all of us. Glenn, thanks so much for initiating this and and giving us the incentive to do things like this, and thanks for your contributions, not just in this area, but across the country. We really appreciate the time. All the best to you through the holidays. Thanks, Mike, and to you and to every listener out there, thank you for what you've done this year and what you do to support the community as well. So thanks, Dubs. Take care now. Take care. That's Glenn Wolfrey. Executive Vice President, Corporate Operations with Winmar. So they've been doing some things in behind the scenes. Today Today's the day that they are starting to deliver checks all across the country to help out the Salvation Army in a campaign that you'll, you'll find the hashtag. The campaign has that hashtag, Gifts of Hope, helping out people in our community who need to be helped at this time of year and we know that that list is growing so this is all the more important to be involved. just after thanksgiving long time ago feels like a long time ago we started to get the picture of a story involving a man who none of us have met but he became a symbol of hope that maybe, just maybe, something could be done to save somebody who was hoping to be granted asylum in the United States and had gone through a whole lot to even get to that point. His name is Kenneth. At one point, he was on a plane. He was due to be returned to Cameroon, where he was going to face charges of hostilities toward the fatherland, and for that could face execution. He was pulled off the plane. He had a hearing. The hearing did not work out. He was not allowed to attend the hearing. He was put back on the plane, and we heard from Megan Walker that he was on his way back to Cameroon. And that's the last detail that we heard in this story. And it was absolutely heart-wrenching to hear that the work of so many different people to try to at least give Kenneth an opportunity to stay somewhere in North America, in the U.S., in Canada, heart-wrenching to know that that work had not been able to land him that spot in the U.S. or Canada, had not been able to get him to that hearing. And for weeks now, we've thought that was the end of the story. It's been nearly a month. Well... There are new details to tell. And Megan Walker joins us right now. Megan, how are you today? Well, how are you? You know, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm Good. I'm waiting to hear what these details are when a story seems absolutely closed and finished and it hasn't ended 
with a happily ever after in any way. It's one that can kind of stick with you, but everybody thought that, that this was the end. What can you tell us about the story of a guy that we came to know as Kenneth, who, who none of us have ever met, but all of us feel as though we have? Well, Kenneth um, did uh, return to Cameroon. The way he was returned was he was wrapped in foam, which was taped around his body, and he, was, along with six others, were transported to the airport like that, loaded on the planes into the aisles, um, and flew the entire way back to Cameroon uh, in what they call hot-dogging which was appalling, and it was because they were wanting to remain in the U.S. because they still had outstanding appeals before the courts. But ICE denied them their opportunity to have their appeals heard and treated them so poorly they were beaten first and then wrapped. Um, So Kenneth and his comrades um, landed in Cameroon, and he was picked up and arrested and placed in a cell uh, with many other men in a very small cell, and it was rat-infested, and they, were in, they all had infections. And uh, finally, uh, he was able to get out, um, thanks to the great work of a lawyer in Cameroon. Um, and I can say now that uh, after hiding for some time uh, with other men, he is now in a safe country, and we are waiting for him to receive his documentation, which was taken by ICE, so that we can attempt to once again transport him to Canada and have him uh, enter because of the exception of the third-party uh, agreement that he is at risk of being, um, you know, still killed. So his story at this point is relatively good news, although we still have a way to go. He is safe at the moment in another country, and we are waiting for documentation of which he's getting help uh, through the United Nations High Commission on Refugees, and hopefully we'll be able to transport him on an airplane, um, not through the U.S., of course, but an airplane that would take him to Canada, to Toronto. And here in London, we've had individuals offer him space to live and clothing and Um, a sense of community. So we're very hopeful. Um, During that time, we, of course, met others. um, And there are, so we we are raising money on a GoFundMe page right now, raising $5,000 so that we can save the lives of two other Cameroonians. Um, We were successful in getting the money we needed to help um, Kenneth. And now there are stories where one of the men, Michael, is 40 years old, and he is a, was a business owner in his community, and he had also attended a peaceful protest. Um, he was beaten and left in jail for about 14 days. Um, the military then burned down his business. So he, too, is living on the run, um, hiding, because he is so fearful. He also had made his way to the United States, passed his credible fear interview, Um, claimed refugee status uh, because of fear of persecution and the death sentence for his political opinion, but he was sent back. And we have one other story uh, of a young man, his name is Godwill, and he, um, the military, uh, he saved the life of a man named Robert from the military who had shot Robert at a peaceful protest. Um, Along with others, they carried Robert to the hospital, 
then the military came to the hospital. They all had to go away very quickly and hide. Um, and when the military discovered that it was Godwill who had saved Robert's life, who, by the way, has been named a hero by Robert's lawyer in the U.S. for what he did, um, they beat him so horrifically he ended up in the jail with, or sorry, in the hospital with very severe injuries. And so he's no longer safe to be in Cameroon. Um, he's been moved to a hidden location in a nearby village. And so we are trying to raise $5,000 so that we can at this point assist these two young men who are so courageous and did nothing wrong ex except um, express their political opinion, which is something they were uh, may face the death penalty for in Cameroon. We want to bring them back. We want to bring them to Canada. We want to save their lives, and that's what we're committed to doing. Megan Walker joining us. Megan, this is incredible that this story even continued because when we last heard you talk about it, it seemed to have an end. What mm -hmm. what kept this going? So um, it's this is a coalition of individuals we have working, some from the U.S. and some from Canada. And um, so the, there's a woman in the U.S. who was able to maintain her relationship by telephone with Kenneth and uh, his, Ken, Kenneth's sister um, and able to work behind the scenes to make sure there was a lawyer and that that lawyer was paid. Um, and he was given a, a, a temporary, you know, reprieve because he was released from jail temporarily. Um, of course, that meant he would end up back there. So that it was really just for a few weeks. And he ran and he hid and lots of people helped him. Um, and then we found an opportunity for him to leave the country and we took advantage of that. So as I say with Kenneth, um, his story is not ended yet. And and we hope when he comes to Canada and comes to London, Ontario, he can be a guest on your show and talk about the end of his story, which is really his beginning of life, because if he's here, he has a new beginning. Um, and then we hope the other two men that we're trying to help uh, will have the same stories to share with you. And, you know, ultimately, this is a global issue um, of horrendous human rights violations, um, these are good men who uh, were doing nothing wrong. They were standing up for Anglophones in Cameroon, and some of their friends were killed. Um, others have been horrifically uh, injured by the military, and it's just not a safe place if you have been a leader in your community. And that's what I love about these men. They'll come to Canada and they'll continue to be leaders, and they will stand up against injustice and help others. And so that's what it's all about. You know, they'll all have hopefully a new beginning. We hope the community will support us on our GoFundMe page so we can bring the other two here. Um, and we're going to just, you know, do everything we can to make sure that they are able to survive, to live. You know, 25-year-old men shouldn't be shot down by a military for standing up for peaceful present, uh, protests. Megan Walker joining us. Megan, got an email from Angie at Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Uh, you, you just referenced it, actually. Angie says, could you please have Megan tell me where the GoFundMe page is? Oh, so you can sh find it on my Twitter, which is at Walk, M-E-G-G-I-E-W-A-L-K. And it's also on my Facebook page, which is Megan Walker. Um, and I can... Um, 
it's kind of long. That's the problem to give it all out the the address. But if you sure. can go to those two locations, you'll be able to find it. And you know, if we had a lot of people that could give us five or ten dollars, we'd accomplish our goal pretty quickly. So. You know, I think at Christmas time, in the spirit of giving, there's no better gift than life, and that's what we're asking people to think about. Wow. What what a story. The idea that this is even continuing, I think, is taking a, a lot of people as a surprise. Uh, the idea that this still has hope to bring somebody like Kenneth or even Kenneth and a couple of other people to Canada, even to London – this this is remarkable. Megan, you and others have done so much to keep this alive, to never give up. And I hope that that's a part of this story that comes through as well, because everybody could have given up quite a few times and certainly could have given up the last time we spoke. You haven't. Thank you for not giving up. And the, and the people who especially have not given up are those we are trying to save, whose lives we are trying to save. They continue to have hope and believe that one day they will have a new life. They have never given up, despite horrendous beatings and depression and all sorts of terrible suicidal ideations. They have come through it, and they continue to fight for their lives, knowing that uh, 10,000 whatever kilometers away, here we are, still um, helping them. So it's it's just like... I'm pr- I feel really honored and privileged to be able to contribute um, to, to this cause, and um, it's just very meaningful to me, and I've met all these men through the telephone, and I just want to do everything in my power to make sure that they're safe. Thank you for what you're doing, Megan. Uh, this, this is great. This, this is the kind of story that I think everybody needed today. Really appreciate the time, and please keep us up to date. I will, and I can assure you when Kenneth arrives, Londoners will love him as much as I do. So I can't wait for that to happen. Can't wait to meet him in person because, sure, it feels like we all know him already. Megan, all the best. We'll talk soon. You're terrific. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's Megan Walker. Okay. Wow. That's, That's the information. That's the information that Kenneth was not killed, that a lawyer got him a temporary reprieve, Got him out temporarily, he ran. And got some help, and got out of Cameroon, and is now somewhere in a safe country. The road is still probably pretty long, but boy, that's remarkable. I will tweet out that link that Megan was talking about, and you can find that at Stubbs980, or you can go to at Walk on Twitter as well. We are getting the opportunity to do a whole lot of learning right now. We're going to talk some education, and we are very lucky to be joined by the Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board, Mr. Mark Fisher. Director Fisher, how's the day going? The day is going well, Mike. How are you? You know what? Not too bad. Not too bad. We are still kind of making it through all of what is happening. We tend to have almost a a count of, well, okay, where is COVID-19 appearing? And we hear this school and and this school. How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Are you grabbing for the data that shows, okay, which schools may have COVID-19? Yeah, I check the data every night before I go to bed, and I check the data first thing every morning. Uh, and, you know, it's been a very, very challenging year for everybody. Uh, we've uh, had to deal with things that a year ago we never could have predicted would have happened. But I really am proud of the efforts 
uh, of our staff to, to keep everybody safe. When you look at the virus appearing in schools, we still, and you see the data a whole lot more closely than I do, do we still have relatively few cases if we look at other jurisdictions or or do we still have things under control as opposed to you know being able to say well we had one case last week in this school and now we have 15 i don't i don't remember coming across anything like that yeah proportionally we're still in good shape compared to other districts our size we have to remember that even during covid we still have almost 70,000 students attending at 161 schools and we've started to see a little bit of an uptick in our positive cases that kind of mirror what's happening in the broader society. But it's very important to keep things in perspective. The vast majority, and I mean the vast majority of these cases are caused by community transmission. We really have literally only had four cases of school transmission uh, in four months. And that's remarkable given the size and scope of what we're trying to do every day. And that's a great point to look at from the data because that's not something that we all necessarily gravitate to. So only four cases of non-community spread. So in other words, the virus is spreading somewhere else, a student gets it, then they come to school. That's exactly right. And I mean, our schools are still the safest place for staff and for students. We did a survey of our community recently and 90% of families still feel that their children belong in school. I visit schools on a weekly basis, and it's really important that we have kids in our buildings working and learning together. And, I mean, people are following the protocols. We have very extensive health and safety protocols that we've talked about a lot. Uh, It may seem like there's more happening because of what is going on in the broader society, but once again, these transmissions are not occurring in schools. We're talking with the Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board, Mark Fisher. Mark, not too long ago, about an hour ago, we had the Ontario government talking about, you know, the the different things that are happening in terms of rollouts of vaccine and, and that sort of thing. But they were also asked a question about whether or not they would have an extended shutdown or an extended lockdown. And they discussed that, well, everything's on the table. That was the line from the premier and that they will speak with public health measures, table individuals and, and representatives in order to figure things out. Is that a conversation you've had at all at, at the school board level as to how to handle what happens over the holidays and, and what to do afterward? Yeah, we have those discussions literally on a daily basis, and we are prepared to pivot at a moment's notice if we need to go into uh, a temporary move to full remote learning for the entire system. I mean, it's my understanding that really the strategy only works if it's a complete circuit breaker, and right now, Uh, As I said, the vast majority of cases are being spread in the community. We've had a lot of information. At one time, we were told that we were leaning towards extending the break, and then we got information that, no, that would not happen. And I think, again, now we're monitoring it, and we are certainly ready and prepared to do whatever we need to do to keep our community safe. Is there a date that you would need to hear that by? I mean, does it come from the government as opposed to individual boards being able to say this? Yeah, it'll, it will come from the government unless we are working with our public health units and they're strongly recommending that. Right now, uh, everything that we have, all the information, all the data, all the evidence is that schools are the safest places to be. And I know we, you saw in Windsor where they shut down the system this week. 
but that was a little bit of a different scenario. So we really, you know, look for direction from the Ministry of Education. And then we also feed information back to them in consultation with our health units about what the situation in London and Thames Valley looks like. You mentioned Windsor. What made that different? Because a, a lot of us are trying to understand, okay, they, they seem to have had cases and we've seen graphs that show here's what the case count was among school-age children before school started. Here's what it is now. So what was different in Windsor? I think in Windsor, there was a situation where it was concentrated in terms of the outbreak. And then it got to be a situation where they wanted to do this whole principle of a circuit breaker that they didn't want that spread to get out of hand. So they made a decision uh, to really try to cut it off uh, and get things back under control. Fortunately, here in Thames Valley, we have been in control. All of our extensive health and safety protocols are working and continue to work. That vigilance to physical distancing, wearing masks, washing hands, and the preparations that our staff did throughout the summer have really paid off. Uh, and we know that schools are a microcosm of society. And if the spread continues to rise in society, we need to make sure we're extra vigilant in schools. Mark Fisher joining us, Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board. Let's turn to the staff. How are the staff doing? You know, it's been challenging for the staff. We have asked, you know, all staff, be they teachers, principals, custodians, secretaries, IT, to work in ways that up till now in their careers they hadn't worked in. So we basically have been really remodeling the airplane as we're flying it. So I am thrilled with the resilience and the adaptability and the flexibility of our staff. Like I'm, I came here new about a year and a half ago, Mike, and this has really been, you know, when you talk about the law of unintended consequences, so this pandemic has really demonstrated to me the, the professionalism, the dedication, and the commitment of our almost 10,000 staff, and I feel fortunate to lead this organization. Are you hearing anything as we begin to find out more information about vaccine rollout, where the education system might sit? Has that been mentioned at all? We, we haven't had those discussions yet. Obviously, we need people in healthcare and, and some of those other areas, but my strong advocacy would be to prioritize people in education. We understand that in order to keep the economy functioning, we need to keep our schools open. We know for children's mental health and well-being, we need to keep our schools open. And these, our, our employees and our, and our students are, are interacting on the front line. So I would certainly hope that as they make those priorities, that that would be considered when they make those decisions. We've had opportunities for students who are learning solely away from schools to go back to school. We've had the opportunity for those who are at school to turn to remote learning. Are any of those opportunities still in existence as we head toward the new year? Well, it's unlikely that we're going to do anything on a large-scale basis. It's just too disruptive and, and destabilizing for the system. Of course, we will look at individual cases and adjudicate on a on a one by one basis if there are extenuating circumstances. Uh, and we're seeing some real positives with the full remote learning. We're also seeing some of the challenges that people have on that platform. But certainly, there's a lot of innovative things that have happened that we will continue uh, to implement once we're clear of this pandemic. All right. Anything else that you want us to know before we head into that holiday break that begins, well, look at this, uh, basically at the end of this week? 
I just think that families and our staff deserve a break over the holiday. And, and really, I really encourage people to try to take time for reflection and relaxation. It's been very challenging for everyone. I, I strongly encourage all members of our community to follow the advice of public health experts and stay safe because we will be coming back together in a few weeks. And we certainly, our behavior over the next few weeks is going to dictate what happens in schools in January. Mark, thanks so much. All the best over the holiday break, and we really appreciate the time today. Yeah, Mike, and if I don't talk to you, you have a terrific holiday. You too. Take care. Bye. It's Mark Fisher. He is the Director of Education with the Thames Valley District School Board. So, again, the numbers do back it up, and that is an interesting piece of the data that you have had only four cases since September, and we knew there would be cases. So, it would be a lot easier to say, oh, we haven't had any, it was zero. Okay, that would be great. Well, take a look around at everything. That's not reality. So only to have four that were not community spread. In other words, a student that is diagnosed with COVID-19 tends to get the virus and then arrive at school. And even with that happening, even with that happening, only four times have we seen spread within schools in Thames Valley. that That's impressive to me. Is it not impressive to you? Yes, I know it would be easier if it was zero. But what's zero anymore when it comes to COVID-19? You don't hear zeros. They don't exist. UK, going back into another degree of lockdown, and there's a lot of talk about a strain that has been discovered that seems to be causing numbers to rise in the UK. So a lot still happening with this, going in that direction in the spread of the virus, going in the direction of combating the virus with vaccines, and we'll continue to stay on top of all of it. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3. 